Hello, and welcome to the Friendly Ties podcast. Uh, I'm Nick, and I just finished playing the game Furnace with my friends Jonathan and Anastasia, and we are here to talk about it. This uh, game does not come with a playthrough, so if you haven't played the game, you might want to go do a little bit of research about it, or you can just hear us talk about our thoughts about the play session that we just played and also the previous ones that we've played, because we've each played this game about four or five or six times at this point, and... John, you just smoked us, so why don't you uh, why don't you kick us off here? <laughs> sure, oh God, sure. This is the first game that Nick has not won. Is this a moment? <laughs> is this a thing? Oh, is that true on the official channel? Yeah, and then we didn't sure. record it. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I lost. I lost Union Station. I lost That's There's true. no proof. Yeah, yeah true. it's true. Yeah. So um, let's just do a super quick uh, overview of it. This is a engine building game with a really neat bidding system. Um, there's only four rounds, and in each round, players are putting these tokens down with numbers. You're trying to take a card by putting the token with the biggest number and if somebody puts a bigger token down then that's fine your token still stays there and you still get to activate that card just once instead of keeping it and you get a bunch of stuff uh, the cards that you get you keep in front of you and you do this four times and you build out this engine that quite literally just it's it's kind of a cube pusher even though the components for the most part aren't cubes you're turning you're getting cubey things and you're turning cubey things into other cubey things right pretty much yeah, it's a it's cube pusher for sure. <laughs> um, I I definitely agree with this game being an engine builder. I I will tell the two of you right now. You might not know this about me, but I actually have a pet peeve about people calling games engine builders when I don't think that they're actually engine builders. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like I like people will call a lot of like worker placement games like oh it's like an engine builder like you get resources and you put them in this thing and i'm like that's just getting resources and spending them that doesn't <laughs> make for an engine it's like called if, an if economy I, right, not an engine exactly. <laughs> a game for a game to be an engine builder for me it has to say like i do this and then therefore i can do this and then that makes me do this right like i need those like adjoining prepositions to to make it actually feel like an engine builder to me and this one this one checks that box yeah, 100%. It is, I mean, this is probably, I'm trying to think of another game that it like has as satisfying an engine. Like it, the, the, the truth is it doesn't really have much of a theme, right? I mean, there there is a theme, but like essentially, you know, you, you put things into your engine, they manipulate and they keep going and then you spit out things at the end. And there's something kind of beautiful about how pure the engine, but it's just right Agreed. there. Just, you, you are just... You are working that engine. But what I think this game does, it's really cool. And we're going to, there's a couple of different variants that you can play in this game that come in the rules. But just talking about the pure base game. And one of my favorite aspects about the game is that you have these cards that you're essentially trying to run your engine through, but you can rearrange those cards every round, any way that you want. And I love that. That's like my fa- one of my favorite parts about the game. And there's a variant where you don't do that. And we're going to talk about that, I'm sure, a little bit later. But one of the things I think is so cool is I feel like in a lot of engine builders, you you sort of have a prescribed route of the way you're going to run things, right? You got to do this and then this and then this. And then that's kind of how it happens or you're kind of stuck in the way you run those actions to make these things happen. And I love that every like after every single round, you get to sit there and you be like, well, here are my four or five or six or 10 cards or whatever. And I get to figure out what is the most effective way to make this engine work. And you basically get to rewrite it every single time. And I personally think that's a really cool aspect of this game that that is kind of unique to it, in my opinion. It's kind of like, uh, you know, all the kids come to the middle of the play area and they're playing with their toys together. And then it's like, oh, time to go to your separate corners. Take your stuff. 
<laughs> do your Come thing back over with there. a new creation. Yeah. yeah, exactly. See what you could do with all these little Legos. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's very. I mean, I mean, the name of the game is Furnace, and I have to admit, you know, I've heard about this game for like two years. I've played it like six times, and I thought the name was kind of silly at first. And I've known about the game for so long that it's completely normalized in my head. But like, what is what is furnace like why we're not making heaters <laughs> i'm not I, I think you know essentially it's trying to say the name of the game is engine you know <laughs> like, like it's just and, and that makes sense because it really feels like everything has been stripped out uh that did not need to be there which i actually really appreciate um there's a, a glut of medium to heavyweight euro games with really thick rule books and 45 to 60 minute teaches and then this swings around uh the game usually takes about 60 minutes to play but i could teach this game in less than 10 minutes easily it's just very elegant like honestly when people ask me about you know oh what do you mean by elegant in games like i kind of want to say well furnace like this seems like one of the most elegant games that i could think of because there's no if else statements it just it is what it is the icons make sense they do exactly what they do there's no exceptions and it does just barely enough to do what it is supposed to but it still does it well yeah definitely the the cards are very honest about what they are it's just like what's this card do it gives you stuff what does this card do it eats stuff to make victory points like it is is very very straightforward or gives you money whatever you want to call it i don't care right um right. <laughs> you know and uh something that you mentioned in there earlier john i also want to like bring back is there's there's the part of the game where you go play in your own corners right the simultaneous execution of your engines in there mm-hmm. which i think is largely a victory in this game right it makes the, the playtime shorter um it's generally pretty boring to watch other people just like take their cubes in and out of cards but it's satisfying to do it for yourself so you all do that kind of simultaneously i think the only drawback of that is that the game is prone to accidents that will like go unnoticed right like oh sure a a single sloppy play is 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 not going to get noticed in that in that execution of things um but it's well worth it for the speed and like fluidity of of the execution of that step of the game yeah one other um consequence that i was thinking about this in the game we just played is that uh because so much of it is simultaneous the activation and the part that's not simultaneous the bidding part is so tight this is a very quiet game i've noticed like you're not bantering yeah, with your is. opponents you <laughs> there were a couple yeah. times we're playing where i was like is this mic on? Like, like, can you, can you guys? Okay, we, yeah, yeah, okay, we're, yeah, we, yeah, we're definitely still all here because we're just kind of crunching and thinking, and like, I almost didn't want to say something or ask a question because I didn't want to derail somebody's thoughts. Because even though this game is very simple to teach, um, it's got a a potentially dizzying maze of potential analysis paralysis trying to crunch through if this then that and it uh constantly at least for me throws me chicken and egg questions where you have you know these cards you activate them in uh any order of your choice but once you use it you're done with it but there's lots of cards that do like two things like an a thing and a b thing and i want to do the a part of this card and i want to do the a card part of the other card and i would only want to do the b part of the first card after the a part of the other cards happened and and it's just like I just find myself going in an infinite loop where I'm like, okay, well, I'll do card one first and then two. Nope. I need to do two first before one. Nope. <laughs> <You know? laughs> At some point, yeah, I got to kick myself out of this loop. All yeah. Of that. Yeah. And then actually, it's one of the things that I feel like is a little bit of a one of my more negatives about the game, which is that 
while you're totally right, it plays in 45 to 60 minutes, it kind of feels like a game wait that I wanted to play in like 30 or 45 minutes. And I like, I've never played it at two. So it, I, I, I can't imagine it play any faster though, because you're still, you're, st- I mean, you're essentially doing the same things, right? Whether you're I don't think any of us have, I believe there's a, it has a dummy player that gets brought in. Honestly, I've never even read the rules to the two player game. Yeah, I've read them. It is, it's a dummy player that brings in, it just, it kind of messes with the auction component, but it doesn't, it's not going to change the length of anything. Sure. But I guess what I feel like is that I do think because the game is prone to a little bit of analysis paralysis and surprisingly, this is one of the few games where I actually find myself not constantly stuck in analysis paralysis for some reason, which I don't, maybe, maybe because my last few plays, I played like a leaner number of cards. So I've just kind of kept my decision space smaller, but I did notice like in this, this game that we all just played, John, you played like 10 cards and I had five and so i was done running my engine or six you know i was done running my engine and in some cases like a good like five minutes before you were done running yours yeah i do think it can lend itself to a little bit of that kind of what feels like downtime even though it's not like i mean because everyone's kind of doing their own thing but but there is kind of a waiting for everyone to finish running their engine which is totally fine but to your point it's a quiet game so it's not like you're sitting there bantering you're just kind of sitting there waiting and i i do think that that is one sort of i, I don't i can't even say that it overstays its welcome it, it's not that it it's a really fun game it just you just kind of have to be prepared for that that it that if you're playing sort of different styles or someone is really thinking through their their stuff um and i have been guilty of this you know you might be sitting there waiting while someone else is trying to work through their engine yeah, I think I had, uh, I, in the last round of this game we just played, I had 12 cards in front of me, each of which did one or two different things in different orders. Some gave stuff, some turned stuff into other stuff, and some turned stuff into victory points. And and you and Nick were definitely having some nice conversations on the side while I was like <laughs> trying to figure that out. And uh, and I'm, I'm glad that, that that worked out. But yeah, it, it could definitely take longer. This is the most cards I've ever had. I played this game six times. This is easily the biggest score I've ever had. I cracked 100 for the first time ever. And I think it's because I had so many cards. Um, I just won a lot of, of the, the bids. And, uh, and, and I... I had fun. I definitely enjoyed winning, but it also was the most analysis paralysis I've had in this game was in this last play because I had so many cards to mess around with. Right, right. I'll I'll dispute the point a little bit in saying that I don't think this game induces like any AP in me. And <laughs> uh, and, and what being the games person who's, do induce <laughs> no, no, AP in Nick? Gollum, Gollum. That's true. <laughs> that, yeah. that is true. That is true. If um, a game induces AP in Nick, you know it's a thinker. Yeah, yeah. But but also right as the person who ends up waiting for others to finish because I'm usually not the one who's who's APing. I didn't feel like the downtime was was too rough in this game. Um, That's good. You know, because it's like, oh, I'll set up for the next turn. I'll collect the tokens, and then uh, I'll look at my phone for 30 seconds, and then we're <laughs> ready to go. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, but it's, it's, good. it's true, though. There isn't a lot to think about. It, it, this isn't though one of those games where you can then like plan ahead, right? Like True. maybe I guess if you if you dealt out the cards, you could start to look at them if you know your opponent wasn't looking at them. But you would have to like have that commitment, right? Because yeah. knowing what cards are coming is going to change how they might run their engine. So that is one thing that I I have noticed is like it's not like there's something else for me to think about. It is sort of like a okay, I'll just check my phone for a minute here, um, which I don't, I, which is fine. It's just it's just something about the game. 
honestly, I think that's a great lead into another interesting topic about the game, and that's the randomness of the cards. Um, you have this deck of right. cards. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, and in a three-player game, you're going to deal out seven of them in each of the game's four rounds. And, you know, there's randomness of the draw from that deck. And specifically speaking to the play that we just had, I know that both of you looked at the final set of seven cards. You know, it's the fourth round. We lay out the cards. We all look down to see what we can do. And you both said, oh, it looks like I'm not going to do much this round because there's no way to get more oil, oil being one of the many resources in the game. Uh, and that, you know, was random. I, Anastasia, you dug through the rest of the deck and saw that almost every card that was not dealt out at the end of the game would have been better than every card that was dealt out to the row. And, you know, it, how'd that go for you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually trying to think if that's ever happened to me before. I, you know... It, there's only four resources in this game, right? It's uh, what coal, steel, oil, and then the sort of would you upgrade token resource? Yeah. You even call that like uh, there's this fourth resource, and it's true that you kind of have to pick a direction that you're you know. And usually you need a little bit of everything, but for the most part, you're probably going to specialize in one or two that are going to generate points in your engine, and you're going to want to produce that to then turn it into points on another card and and make your engine work and i nick and i both needed oil that was like our our engines were primarily they, they were primarily required oil to turn into points and i had one card that made oil nick in my entire engine none i had none and you had none and and up to that point in the three previous you know draws we had lots of cards that made oil so so i mean i think i was making three or four oil in the auction phase I mean, that does make sense. Oil is the, the most lucrative item in the game, you know. Coal is the worst, steel is middle, oil, and the upgrade tokens are, you know, maybe you could argue they're also super powerful, but oil is like the end game resource. You want to get the oil and then turn it into points. Both of you had several cards to get lots of points out of oil, and then you just were dry. Yeah. Whereas I had multiple cards to make oil. I think I could naturally make three or four oil, and, and I, I steamed right past you. I've had that luck thing come up in in different games in different ways too. Like uh, on the first round of the game, as you might expect, you want to have cards that allow you to produce resources, right? Like that's the most significant thing you can get in the first round of the game. And I've seen, I actually think in two games now, a player in the fourth seat, um, basically other players went bid four on this, bid four on this, bid four on this. And then the player in the fourth seat was totally locked out of buying a, um, production card that uh, created resources and it always it always hurts to do that so the game being very clean the game being very tight I think lends itself towards that flaw of like sometimes the flop is not going to be fair yeah in fact that reminds me Nick I we played a game of this a while back but it was like one of our first or second games of it and it's one of the few games I've ever seen you like truly tank like you just I was could dead. so yeah dead. you just couldn't come back <laughs> it's also one of the few games i've ever won against nick <laughs> uh, that's not true i won a few uh no but but yeah i mean i remember specifically because you never came back you effectively played a three-round game instead of a four-round game if i remember correctly yeah and just yeah not as bad as that but it, it did feel pretty <laughs> rough <laughs> yeah i mean and that's what happened in this play right with john like this this play we just did you no oil came out nick and i both needed oil and i think both of us in that moment were like well 
our games are done. Like our points going into the fourth round, we're all like one, like what, within three I think or four, three points. Within yeah, three it was points, super close in either direction. We we're all very close, but when there were no no ways to make oil, we both knew that it was like it, just the options became very slim. So that randomness is. I personally, the more I play this game, the more that that does kind of bother me. Like I do kind of like it is a very clean design and, and you said it's very elegant and I do really like it. But something that I'm starting to feel after five, six, seven plays of this is just like it does feel like a little bit thin to me. Uh, just uh, like I almost don't want to say that, but I just wanted to have like one more element or one more thing. I don't know if it's a catch-up mechanism or just something else to do, but not to add complexity. It just feels like it's missing one little piece that I, and I have no idea what that is. I totally hear what you're saying. I, I, I actually agree with you. Like I quite like this game and it is. I, I think your statement of it being thin is totally valid. Like I am there with you and that it is pretty thin. And then the thing that makes it worse uh, not worse, but the thing that makes it uh, unfixable is I think that if you add in any of those things that you're suggesting, it actually just makes the rest of the design worse. Like right, it is right. it is good because it is so tight, uh, right. because it is so elegant, because it is so honest to what it is doing. And if you add more in, it, it collapses that system, I think. Yeah. To a certain extent, the playtime forgives that, right? You know, it... Yes, you maybe you have a, a really bad flop, et cetera. Well, you know, the game took an hour at the most. Um, you did the best you could with the be- the thing you did. And, you know, it's not an abstract game. Like, it's not 100% perfect information. Um, you just run with it the best you can. And uh, if you did add more stuff, then I could certainly see that, you know, flying off like i could i could definitely imagine a situation in development where this had a lot more stuff going on and it almost seemed like a thought experiment like the designer slash developer tried to see just how much they could cut <laughs> yeah just to streamline it i mean yeah. it does what it does really well it actually reminds me do you guys ever play mystic veil vale? uh mm-hmm. once or twice yeah it reminds me a little bit of that where it's like totally. this really cool mechanic that they then sort of built a game around. And Mystic Veil is a fine game. Like, it's totally fine. But it, it just reminds me of it in the same way where after a couple of plays, I was like, I was like, oh, I just, I wish that there was something. Some, it's thin. Just feels thin. But. Yeah. Well, that one's also an engine building game. I mean, that one has you crafting yeah, cards it's, it's to bulk out thing. your engine. Yeah. Um, Which is builder, it? not an engine building game. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Fair that point. could be quite a tangent. But <laughs> <laughs> Just wait for the episode, folks. <laughs> What's not an engine builder? <laughs> I will say that I got rid of Mystic Veil vale after playing it only once or twice, and I've played furnace six times now i own a copy and i'm looking forward to lots more plays of it so like yeah i, I could see some of the comparison but i also th- feel like mystic veil vale leaned very hard into its gimmick and this one doesn't really feel like it has a gimmick like the, i get the gimmick of this game is that it's it's really quick to teach and it's super elegant <laughs> it's yeah and, like, it ha- and you have a lot more control i mean this yeah. game does let you you're gonna build an engine and you're gonna get to run it and that's going to be great. But you do have to be mindful that there is luck in the flop. There is, you might get shut out. You might, your engine might be working and it just you know, suddenly falls apart because you're not getting what you need. That's all products of trying to build the best engine that you can. 
setup and breakdown is like instantaneous this game fits in like a a, a gallon bag that you fold it over right like it's <laughs> it, it, it that's that is a perk of it i think that the makes box it easy, like... on the other hand is significantly larger than, than the game <laughs> components. yeah seriously that is a bit of a yeah <laughs> there's there's other reasons for that that i totally understand I do want to circle us back to something that I, I can't believe we haven't talked about already, which is as much as I said at the beginning of this, that one of my favorite parts of the game is this ability to rearrange your cards. My my actual favorite part of this game is this auction mechanic. I mean, the, to me, the, the auction is, this is the best auction game. This is by far my favorite auction game that I own and have played. I love it. I love it because the, the, the major mechanic is that you're always going to win. If you don't get a card, you're going to get the resources on top of the card. And and the tension of choosing where do you bid, knowing that you know you actually want to get the resources on the top, so you hope somebody bumps you up, so you actually don't get the card, but then you might also get the card. I love that. I just I think it is so cool. I, it's a hard thing to describe here in audio form, but it is a really neat mechanic it creates for a very interesting decision space and i i think i i can't wait to see if other games kind of take some of these ideas and use them for auctioning because it is super super cool and very fun you know the auction mechanic in this game is almost like a worker placement game in some ways not entirely but you can sort of play it that way where if it's your turn you say i'm going to put my four down i know i'm going to get this card so i've decided that's going to happen or if i'm specifically playing a number that's smaller than the number someone else has played obviously i'm just doing this for the resources so i've chosen to take this action to get you know those stated resources and then i think the part that makes it really clever is exactly what you're talking about anastasia which is the fact that you can say like oh it's early in the round i really want this to happen if i play this here am i going to get bumped or am i not going to get bumped and do i want to get bumped or not bumped am i trying to like bait people into bumping me off of this <laughs> is really cool yeah 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 i feel like i might be uh <laughs> choosing a weird hill to die on but i personally don't feel like this is an, even an auction game you know it, i've heard many people refer to it as an auction and you know Again, maybe I'm parsing things a little bit too silly, but to me, when I think of an auction game, I think of, or an auction mechanic in particular, I think of there something exists. We are all trying to figure out how little we can pay to get that thing while also holding each other accountable. Uh, you know, this thing, you know, if, if somebody gets it for two, then that's a steal. But if they get it for 12, then, you know, they've just sunk their entire game. You know, that's that's the way a lot of auction games can be. And a lot of my stress about auction games is this feeling of, like, making a fool of myself, of overbidding for something. It wasn't worth that. What the heck were you doing? And I just don't get any of those feelings from the bidding mechanic in this game, which is why I tend to call it bidding instead of auction, which again is me being really pedantic and <laughs> probably ridiculous. But I love that you finally found an auction game you like and you won't even call it an auction <laughs> game. <laughs> I just feel like you're not putting tokens down saying this token is worth two. You're putting that token down saying, I think this two is going to do something good for me. I know depending on where we're at in the round, that two might be the strongest thing out there. So you might be able to get that card or you might be putting it out to try and bait somebody to outbid you like Nick mentioned before. Um, and oftentimes 
you want that to happen. You actually don't want to win the card. And I guess, you know, I'm probably spending too much time on parsing all this. I just feel like it's not necessarily about saying this card is worth three. It's saying, do I want the top or the bottom of this card? And how much do I want to activate the top of this card based off of the value of it? I just want to point out, John, because you did say it's not about the value of that too, but you did just say, what is this worth to me? Do I want the top? What's the value of the top of this card or the bottom of this card? So it's no, it's not about the value of the token or not about the value of the money that you are, because it's not money, right? It's just you're, you're, you're not, it's an interesting thing about it. You're actually not spending anything on this auction. You, You have, you know, one, two, three, and four to play. So you're just playing them. So the value of them is, is, is in essence strength. But it is about the value of the thing that you are buying, right? And like, how badly do you want it? Because so I, so I disagree with you slightly, John, in that like, whether, whether or not I play my four is based on how much I want a card, right? So like, if I want it more than, I have to sit there and look at them all and say like, I want this one more than everyone else. Like, I'm going to play my four on it. And I have to choose because I only have one four. I only have one chance to, t- to guarantee that I'm going to get a card. And then, you know, do I want to spend my three? Like uh, several times in this last game, you know, I wanted Nick, Nick put a four down and then I wanted six coal because that's what's really cool about it too, is that you get a multiplier. The top gives resources or gives conversions and, and the value of what you put up there is a multiplier, which makes it even cooler, right? So if you put a three on the top, you're going to get that thing three times. And so you kind of want to do that, but then three is also your like second most powerful token. So I think both of you make really interesting points. I think, Nick, I've never thought about it as a worker placement, and that's actually a really interesting take on it. And I think, John, you're right. It is like more of this bidding mechanic, and it's less like an auction. But I do I do disagree slightly in that I think the part that I think both of us dislike about auctions where you're sitting there being like, should I spend more money on this? Sh- should I try to like beat the other person and like take this and like, you know, is actually... I'm just going to argue that that's like not inherent to auctions. I think, I think that like, and I think that this game proves that by showing that you can have an auction game where the values don't need to be, where the values are in what strengths, like, like what are you getting out of it and what, and what are you willing to give up? What, like what control are you willing to give up to try and take what you want from the cards in the center? Yeah. I mean, the values, being bounded in this game make it unique in the sense of like whether you think it's an auction or not whereas a lot of auction games out there are unbounded right you can you can bid to as much money as you have where in this one it's you have these options to bid and that's that yeah i guess one of the reasons why i wasted some uh, some air on this <laughs> this thing is 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 a lot of people run away screaming when they hear the word auction and i just don't feel like this feels like an auction game but that's why we got to rebrand it. People who run away, <laughs> and we say this back. right now. Yeah, people who run away screaming from auction games, you should play this game. Like, <laughs> I personally feel like this is what all auction games should be. Like, I don't like, I'm one of those people. I'm like, I don't like auction games. In no small part because you can rarely ever play them with less than three players. So that is a limitation. I like my games to have a two player component. But but for the most part, I get super stressed. I mean, we played Raw. That's a whole separate discussion. But like, I get super stressed in auctions. And so I personally love that for me, this is auctions rebranded. It's a total rebrand of the auctions. 
this is what when people talk about auctions from now on this is how i want to think about it (laughs) well that kind of leads us into the variance and we've been playing this a couple different ways lately to kind of explore all of these i mean i think we've all played it the kind of basic way a bunch right just the 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 way we described it you just play take cards you can rearrange them in any order and we actually don't play for most of our plays we haven't played with any of the are the character basically the asymmetric powers well there's two main variants one is um everybody can start with an asymmetric uh, power it's a card that just says you break the game in this one way and the other variant involves um how you actually build out your factory what we just did like an hour ago is we played with the asymmetric powers uh it's the second time i played with them and the first time for both of you so let's talk about that one first there's i believe six different powers that come in the game Uh, we just dealt them out randomly and played with them and they vary quite a bit Uh, you know one of them just says ignore essentially all of the placement restrictions in the bidding phase of the game another one gives you an extra pawn the one that i had in this game let me spend a couple of coal which is the cheapest and easiest to access resource in order to reactivate one of my cards so i had a monstrous amount of cards already and then i also had this asymmetric ability to reactivate the best one for me in that exact moment. I know Nick had a power that let him get more resources than the rest of us when he lost out on the bids. And Anastasia was a lot more flexible at upgrading cards, essentially making them more powerful. And what was your impression of those? I did not care for the asymmetric variant. Um, It added rules overhead that I don't care about, that I didn't think was terribly interesting. At the end of an asymmetric game, I want to look at someone else's power and say... Ooh, I want to try that. I didn't say that in this game. Um, I just said, eh, I mean, it didn't add anything for me. Yeah, like you get to like cheat a little bit and that's nice, but I don't think that the design warranted it and as far as I'm concerned. I'm actually going to disagree slightly. I I felt like I didn't need them, but they also did add some nice variety. Like after playing this game a bunch without them, I did appreciate the opportunity to like sort of play it a little bit differently and so in terms of like what i've already been talking about and like getting a little bit extra something it was a nice kind of change of pace i was actually expecting to be much more rule breaking because john i know when you played it the first time you were like they completely break the the rules of the game so i was kind of expecting them to be like a little bit more dramatic and at the Mm -hmm. end of the day i think i used mine like three out of my four turns it, it did kind of focus a strategy for me so i was like okay i'm gonna go in this direction and in a way i kind of liked that as a sometimes when you sit down and you're gonna play furnace you're like looking at the cards and you're like well, what do i want to do like you're you're your mate you get like, like a basic card when you start and it is also asymmetric but it's not really enough to tell you what you want to do like you kind of have to like make a choice so it's I, the tiniest I like yeah the tiniest edge. i kind of liked it for that and I'd be curious to keep playing with them just to see how they do impact the game. But looking at them, I'm not sure they're particularly well balanced. In my opinion, I do think there are some that are stronger than others. Agreed. Totally agreed. Yeah, my position on it is is a little funky. Like you said, I when I first talked about it, I said, oh, these break the game hugely. And that's because the very first time I played the game, in fact, it was a first play for everyone around the table. We played with these because asymmetries are fun. And, you know, we figured it would differentiate us and whatnot. And I randomly pulled the character that let me ignore all of the placement rules. You know, when you're bidding for these cards, there's, it's really simple rules. Um, everybody has a one, two, three, and a four token. And there can never be multiple of a number on a card and you can never bid on a card more than once so if i put a my three down on a card 
that's the only three. The rest of you could put four or two or a one, but that's the only three that could go there. And you all know that I can't go back there because of that rule. Well, one of the asymmetries says you could break both of those things. <laughs> like the cardinal rules of the game, you can double up on cards, you can go where other numbers have been. And I really didn't like that. I think primarily because it was my first time playing the game. And I remember we finished the game and I felt like I hadn't played Furnace because it's such a fundamental part of the game, like that puzzle of what you can do and what can't you do. And then the very first time I played it, it was like, here's just this massive cheaty thing that just has you ignoring like half of the rule book. And I felt very conflicted at that moment because on the one hand, I felt like I hadn't really played Authentic Furnace. And on the other hand, in that moment, I felt like it was nowhere near as strong as some of the other powers. And that that's really where I land with a lot of asymmetric games. Um, the worry that I have with asymmetric games. I want to be like what Nick said earlier. Like I want to play an asymmetric game and be like, oh man, your power seems cool. I want to play that next time. As opposed to playing an asymmetric game and saying, wow, your power is way better than mine. And that's a big part of why I'm losing and why you're winning. Um, I try not to be a whiner and vocalize those things, but you know, they can definitely knock around in my head. And that will sour a mood, right? <laughs> if you're sitting there feeling like you could be doing this better, but your thing is just way more situational or, you know, just less powerful in general, then that's kind of a problem. Um, in this case, you know, Anastasia, you were talking about how you liked how it brought in some variety, but this was like the fifth time you played the game. And I think that's probably where these should land. Like you should not play with these. The first probably several times you play the game only mix them in when you start to feel like maybe things are getting stale. Yeah. Is the second variant actually called the line variant? <laughs> I'm not sure. So yeah, the second variant, it's quite interesting. So normally, like Anastasia mentioned before, one of her favorite parts of this game is the fact that when you run your engine, you mix and match. You just smoosh your cards around and put them in any order of your liking. But instead of that, you could play an official variant. Both of these come in the rulebook where when you take cards, you add them into a line. Um, you could put it anywhere in the line. You could split uh, the cards up and then slide it in between other cards. But once a card is there, you can't rearrange it. And then when you run your engine, you just go from the left to the right. And that can potentially change the way the game feels. I feel like all three of us have pretty different opinions about it. <laughs> so uh, Anastasia, why don't we start with you? Because you talked about loving what this variant kills yeah i mean i made no secret of this for weeks maybe even months before we actually got around to playing the line variant i was like i don't want to do that I was just like, no thank you <laughs> please don't make me but i you know i was curious to try it but i was just like what i was afraid of and, and I, I just kind of like spoiler like i actually did enjoy it i, I enjoyed it more than i expected to I don't know if I choose to do that, but knowing that that's now John's, another spoiler, John's favorite way to play, I'm sure <laughs> I will be nudged to play it that way again. But what I was expecting was that I would feel really frustrated that like everything was in a line and that like at some point I would need steel or something and I'd have a, a card that produced it. But kind of like John, you were saying earlier, like, you want to make sure you can play A before B and B before A, that I would get really frustrated that like my my engine would basically like go kaput because I couldn't move my steel to be in front of another card that I needed it to be in front of to, you know, because with that randomness of the way the flop comes out, I start to feel like 
I need that flexibility to mitigate the randomness of the cards that come out so I can adapt my strategy. And in fact, that happened in this last play when no oil came out. I really needed to be able to move my steel in a completely different place so that I was able to generate what I needed to then make some points because I could no longer, was had no longer had an option for oil. I would have just, my game would have ended. There wouldn't even been hope beyond that <laughs> if we had been playing the line variant. And so that's my biggest issue with it. And it remains my biggest issue with it is that like part of the fun is the flexibility uh, of being able to arrange it. And for me, in terms of like what gets under my skin with games is, is feeling trapped and stuck, you know, within what I want to execute. And that is what induces AP for me. So I felt like I had more AP trying to make sure I played my cards in the most flexible order <laughs> possible knowing that they could never be rearranged than I did in this game where I was like, I still kind of placed them in a line to be perfectly honest with you and kind of kept it that way. I kind of liked the constraints. It, it does kind of give you some constraints. It sort of forces you to sort of be like, okay, I got to kind of think about them. And you do have more flexibility than you expect because you can push things out and push things in. You just can't re completely reorder them. And so in that way, I still enjoyed it, but I do think from my personal play style, it induces more stressful analysis paralysis in terms of making sure I make the right decision, if you will, in the moment. Sure. And I'm on the other side. Uh, like, <laughs> spoilers, uh, like you said earlier, <laughs> uh, I adore this variant. I personally feel like this should be the rules. I feel like the the run your engine in any order, that should be the variant. And, you know, maybe that's just me being... Uh, a little bit silly, but I really get into the mechanics of things and the potential elegance of things. And one part of this game, which you probably don't know because this is a podcast, it's an audio medium, but when you're bidding on those cards, you know, trying to see if you get to take them or maybe you just get resources from them, they are in a line. You put them in a line out in the middle of the table, and that is important because once you finish bidding, when you get resources instead of taking the cards, you start at the left and you work over to the right. So baked into the game, there's already this idea of, a line of cards that are going to run from the left to the right. So then it just flows really well to me to, to have this idea where you have a line of cards in front of you that you once again activate from left to right. Uh, when we were just playing this last game, we used the asymmetries, but we did not use the line variant. And I found myself wishing that we were <laughs> because I had, you know, uh, so many cards, uh, more cards than I've ever picked up in a game before. I had, uh, I think, seven at the halfway point and 12 when the game was over. And part of the reason why the two of you got to have conversations while I was spinning my wheels trying to run my engine is because I was just flooded with options. So many different ways to run these. And I was just wishing that they were just cemented in a line, <laughs> that, that the, the inefficiencies would be baked in and just a part of, of the existence of the game. Um, now, there is, you know, definitely other areas for analysis paralysis when you are using this variant, specifically, where do you put the cards? And I totally get that. But also at the same time, I personally feel like my analysis paralysis is far less, like like 25% when using this line variant because so much is baked in. I can look down and just read my engine almost like it's code. You know, this goes into this, this goes into that. Um, I wish these were swapped around, but there's nothing I can do about it. Whereas, you know, tonight when we played just a little bit earlier, I would sit there and I'm like, do I want to get two more coal or one more steel? I have no clue. <laughs> like truly yeah. zero idea if the steel is going to be better or the coal because 
I have no idea how I'm going to operate these 12 different cards, and I'm sure I'm going to be kicking myself. I'm going to be one steel short or one coal short, and I'll pick the wrong thing. And I feel like if it was a line of cards, it wouldn't be uh, a mystery. It would just, I'd just be able to read it. Uh, another thing, um, I know I'm like kind of rambling about this a lot. I actually am pretty passionate about this point. Uh, it comes to what Nick was saying earlier, I think Nick, um, that's a big part of this game is uh, simultaneous when you're running your engine and it's kind of boring to watch somebody else turn cubes into other cube-like things. But I remember in uh, the, ga- the game that we played with the line variant, there was a moment where both of you were like, hey, everybody, look at my, look at my line. Isn't this cool? <laughs> and, and I think it, it lent itself to that, where it's like, oh, wow, that is cool. You, you make the oil right there, and you, then you make the coal, and you slam both of those into points while at the same time getting an upgrade token to immediately upgrade into this. That is such a cool line of things that's so efficient. Whereas in today's game, if I looked at either of your piles of cards, I wouldn't even know where to start as far as parsing them because I'm already having a hard time parsing my own. So there's a little bit of that um, fun uh, of witnessing what other people can do. And I, I think that rears its head slightly more with the variant. I don't want to oversell that part, though. And my Goldilocks opinion <laughs> is that I prefer <laughs> the line variant. I do think that it's slightly superior, but I also really don't care. I think either is fine. <laughs> and I think largely they're the same game. The reason I think largely they're the same game is every card unflipped either gives you resources or costs resources. So if it gives you resources, it goes to the front of the line, and it costs resources, it goes to the end of the line. And then the (laughs) nuances just come out in terms of like when they flip, is it now adding more resources or consuming more resources? And then those little nuances mean you're going to have inefficiencies here and there based on what cards you flip and where they are on your line. Um, And I think that that little extra challenge is fun, but also I think can lead to an emotion where you're like, well, if I'd just been able to flip this and this card, I hadn't put this here at the beginning of the game, I would have had four more points and that that would have been the game winning thing right there. So that feeling of resentment does possibly exist in the line variant. You're not going to have that in the other game. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe part of the reason why, I, ultimately I think they did it right. It should be a variant. And I think the biggest reason for that is the uh, first play experience you know when you're yeah. when you're designing a game and developing a game and putting it out there you want people to have a good first play and while i think the line variant is better for me i personally vastly enjoy it i think the odds of you having a horrible first play of just crashing and burning are way higher if you have never 100%. played this game yeah. and then you try to play it with the line um because i mean even in the one play that we did you know only one of your buildings lets you upgrade other buildings and i know that both of you were commenting that if the next time you play with the line variant you're going to pay much different attention to where that is in your overall line and that was coming from a couple people who have already played this game a bunch so so i i definitely <laughs> i can back down from uh, from dying on that hill i suppose <laughs> I do want to point out something that that both of you said, which is you're right, John. There was a there is an added element of satisfaction in terms of making your own engine, and there is this added level of satisfaction of making an engine that is you were forced to make in a line, and and you you are able to expand and contract it, but that works really well for what it is because, in, like you said, inherently there's going to be inefficiencies because you were you you have no choice. It's like well, it's here, and oh well, if I can't produce this exactly the way I wanted to. So I do think that counteracts some of what you were talking about, Nick, of the resentment, because you get kind of this increased satisfaction of it working well, and then that kind of counteracts like some of, of, of what you're feeling. But I do think it would be very easy for that 
to flip where you could have a game where you're like super satisfied with your line and you could have a game where you're super dissatisfied and you're very totally. resentful of your line. And what I did notice in the one play of it that we played and I, you know, again, I, I don't want to be too harsh on it either. Cause I, I definitely want to explore it more. I think knowing how it works, I would place my cards in different ways. And over time I would start to better understand how I wanted to place them. But that concerns me a little bit, right? Because I think, what I already saw was by the fourth round of the, of the game where we played with this line variant, I was just looking for very specific cards. So like, unlike in this play that we just did where I just needed oil and I could take anything that produced yeah. oil or, or get it in any way and knew that I was going to be able to run my engine. I was like, I need a card that does exactly this and it's got to fit here. And so I found myself like weirdly like hunting for cards in the auction, which to be fair, made the auction even more tense because I needed specific things. Having said that, that wasn't super fun. And then I also felt, found myself worrying that over time, I would start to feel like there's a specific way that the card should be laid out, that there's like, that somehow there's like a perfect game to be had and that I would constantly be chasing that. I'm like, okay, well, you've got to place this here and then this here and then this here. And that, that, that over time, I would I might start to feel like, there's some version of the line that is going to create a natural rut in which I'm going to want to kind of always direct my gameplay. And, and, and I, look, I have no idea if that's going to happen, but I worry that that will happen. I mean, I don't know if you guys have thoughts on that, but that, that's something that, that's just a concern I have with the kind of constrictions of that. I don't have many thoughts about that. I think that at this point to me, the differences are so small that it's like almost it's not a big deal. So I, I see it one way, I see it the other way. And I kind of shrug is sort of my response. Yeah. I mean, like you said, in this last play, if we were playing the line, you'd have been in even more trouble. So I think that is a, a pretty good um, data point that's, you know, if there was a brittleness to the game, with respect to the randomness, if you know, you, you both, I think mentioned it as a potential flaw that is, you know, baked in and, you know, understood maybe that could show itself even more often with the variant and that adds even more credence to it being a variant and not the actual rule set <laughs> despite me uh loving the idea of those lines <laughs> well i think that's going to kind of wrap up everything we have to say i i'm enjoying playing this game uh, again i've played it six times and i i see it getting played quite a bit more i own a copy physically i know that you know anastasia you said you've got a copy as well and uh nick can just play our copies <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm i i'm super happy to own this one i agree with you dick i think the box size could be half as big uh and i would be even happier but yeah i i enjoy this one i'm curious how it holds up for me over an extended period of time and i do worry about that a little bit with me i just i remember when we played this first time i just thought it was the most brilliant design and so innovative and fresh and cool. And I still feel that, but I do feel like coming back to it more and more when I sit down at the table, I'm not, I'm not quite as excited as I was that first time. Um, I find myself kind of being like, okay, here we are. Like, okay, we're going to play this. And, and, but I always enjoy myself every play. I enjoy myself. But I do, I do kind of go back to what I said earlier about it just feeling like a little bit thin where I just kind of like, I still kind of want it to have something. So I'll be curious. I'll be curious to see what 
these guys do with the design if there's an expansion if there's otherwise i heard you nick and saying anything else that's added will kind of like break the game so i have no idea but I, i'll be curious to see where this sits in my collection in a year um but right now i'm super happy to have it and very happy to keep introducing it to people already played it with, with my family and other people so it's it is it's a great easy game this definitely is a good I don't, it's not a gateway but it's like a good gateway for people who can handle like solid euro game but that's like a where level, it fits a level me. two game right yeah level two gateway yeah uh, well, I think that's going to wrap us up for this discussion on Furnace. Uh, if you just listen to us uh, through a podcast service, we also have a video uh, on YouTube where you can go and put comments if you want to add to the discussion, give us some feedback about what you thought about the game or just what we said about it. Uh, we'd really appreciate hearing from you. Thanks for listening. Yeah, Thanks, everyone.